Hello, welcome to Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. Today, March 7th, 2021, we look at part two of the sermon, Putting on the New Identity, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Once again, Pastor Steve presents the big idea, Christians should not only live differently from the world, but they should also live differently for different reasons. Father, we stand in awe of, of who you are. We stand in awe of your sovereignty, of your plan for our lives. And God, we rejoice in the fact that you are at work in us, that you don't give up on us, that you complete the work that you began, that we recognize that we are your workmanship. And Father, we just come humbly before you this morning. And we recognize as we do that we've all come from from hectic weeks, probably a hectic week ahead of us. Father, we need to just stop. We need to slow down. We need to give time for your word to work in us. Father, this morning, it's, it's my heart's desire that every heart is prepared by the work and the devotions that have been done throughout this past week. And Father, we are ready to meet with you, to hear from your word, to be encouraged through song, be encouraged through the spoken word, be encouraged through the message this morning. And we just ask, God, that you might be glorified in our lives. That as we take this time together this morning, we lift it up to you as an offering of praise. Father, we obviously desire to be blessed by you. But Father, we want to bring glory and honor to you above all else. And we ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated as you are. Just a a, a couple of announcements. Uh, Quickly, I know I've mentioned this a number of times, but our Council of Ten um, nominations, that will close today. So if you have any questions, please see me about that. Senior Saints Coffee begins Tuesday. And all God's people said... Amen. We're looking forward to that. 9 a.m. Tuesday morning. We'd love to have you here. If you're available at that time of the day, come and uh, we're going to have some, some snacks and, and things like that. But, but it's just about fellowshipping together, drinking coffee, and, and, uh, and we're just so excited. It's been almost a full year since we've been able to, to get together uh, because of the uh, COVID situation. And so we're looking forward to that. So we would love to have you come and be a part of that. Next Sunday, missionary Cole Albright, missionary to Peru, will be here uh, with his family. And we're looking forward to uh, the ministry that uh, he is going to share with us about what's going on uh, in Peru. And then also the North Iowa Sportsman's Adventure is right around the corner. It's on the 20th. And if you are interested in going to that, somebody asked me the other day, is it okay for, for, for women to go? 
Yes, it is. It's okay. We would love to have you come and uh, be a part of that. And so uh, uh, husbands, bring your wives, whatever, and uh, we, can, we can do that. If you have any questions about that, uh, please let me know as well. All right? I think that's all the announcements for this morning. I'm looking around. Nobody's flagging me down. So, hey, it's, it's a good day. Amen. All right. Uh, Micah Smith is going to come with our scripture reading for the day. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32 um, in the New American Standard Version. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If, you, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you, and that you, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So this is part two of this uh, sermon, right? And Pastor Steve got through truthfulness and anger last week. So I was sitting there kind of walking through those other ones. You got your work cut out for you today. Yeah. The big idea is Christians should not only live differently from the world, but they should also live differently for different reasons. Last time we talked about progressive sanctification and positional sanctification and kind of had songs that coordinate with that uh, as part of our motivation and reasoning for why we live the way that we do or at least try to live the way that we should. We're going to continue that this week with a song uh, that kind of talks more about what Jesus has done for us, that positional sanctification and grace that is greater than our sin. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Grace of our loving Lord. 
seated. Next we're going to continue with the idea of walking with God uh, in the song Just a Closer Walk with Thee. Just a Closer Walk with Thee. I am weak but thou art strong. Jesus Let me walk 
thinking there was going to be another song. Apparently, Pastor Ronnie wants me to finish this message that we started last week. So we are ready for that. Take your Bibles, if you would, with me to Ephesians chapter 4 once again. Thank you, Micah, for reading that scripture for us. Appreciate that. As we get started this morning, we're going to just jump right in here. But as we get uh, started this morning... We want to look at this idea of putting on the new identity. And so we see that the only reliable evidence of a person being saved is not a past experience of receiving Christ, but a present life that reflects Christ. And, and we started out with that last week, and, and, and this, is, this is true. We, we can't just hang everything on the fact that one time... I accepted Christ as my Savior. We, we need to see people growing and changing a life, a present life that reflects who Jesus Christ is. Now, as we think about that, we came up with some uh, overarching observations. Now, the, the first of these uh, practical uh, exhortations are relational. And, and that's important for us to see. Our union in Christ ought to impact the way that we live in, in our community, in this community, this local church. Second, notice how there is a negative action stated first as we're going to walk through these principles, and then it's followed by a positive reaction. Third, Notice that there is a theological reason given for why we should throw off these sinful vices and why we should put on Christian actions. That is of key importance because it reflects back to what we just talked about in verse 22, 23, and 24. We are to put off, verse 22, 
the old man. We are to put on, verse 24, the new man, and the difference is made in the renewing of one's mind. So we said then last week, as we're saying again this week, our big idea is not just that Christians should live differently from the world, but that we should live differently for different reasons. And I think that, that that is beginning to work itself out as we have walked through at least the first couple of, of these things. So we see that there are uh, five contrasts between the former and the, the positive. And this is all based on the newness of life. And we are to recognize uh, that these things are true as you walk through them. So we were to replace lying with truth telling. And there's a couple of things that we want to note here as, as we walk through. Your words greatly affect the whole body. And again, you know, you, you remember if the eye says to the hand, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand, uh, it's not going to work well. And so uh, our words greatly affect uh, the body. Uh, God's people are to be truth tellers. We are to speak the truth in love because that's what, what we recognize here as, as being important. And then I wanted us to see this as well, that when you tell the truth, you are imitating God. And when you tell a lie, you are imitating Satan. And, and I don't know how else to break that out uh, scripturally than, than this way. You tell the truth, you're imitating God. When you start lying, you're imitating Satan. And, and you know, that, this would be a great place for, you know, pastor to say, all right, you know, young people, kids, teenagers, you need to recognize this truth. No, <laughs> I'm not going there. It's all of us. All of us need to hear this truth. If you're telling the truth, you are imitating God. And the moment we begin to tell a fib, tell a lie, and I don't care how old you are, you are imitating Satan. Number two is to replace unrighteous anger with righteous anger. And we spent quite a bit of time on this uh, last week, but be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give opportunity to the devil. And as we walked through this, uh, we needed to look at three things uh, that we were wanting to uh, keep our anger on the holy side. Okay, and it's to remember that we don't sin. We're, we're uh, uh, you know, do not sin. That's the reminder there that Paul gives us permission not to throw a fit, not to seek revenge, not to dishonor the name of God in public or in private or anywhere else. The reminder is do not sin in your anger. Uh, next, Paul says, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And we talked quite a bit about that. The final reminder is that give, you would give no opportunity uh, to the devil. And, and again, you see, you know, uh, be angry, but do not sin. And then by the time you get to the end there, the, the, the backside of that is don't give any opportunity for uh, the devil. All right. Whew. You guys ready? Huh? Here we go. 
Number three, replace stealing with working and giving. Replace stealing with working and giving. Verse 28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I got I to gotta just stop here for a minute. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we started out a message and we talked about the problem with a comma. You put a comma in the wrong place and it really changes. I heard somebody say this one time, and, and I'm not sure if it's the King James or the New King James. But if you add just one teeny tiny comma in there, it changes the whole verse and how it reads. It says something to this effect. Let him who steals, steal. No longer let him work with his hands. You're going to have to look that up yourself. But uh, I think uh, I, I have always remembered that. Let him who steals, steal. No longer let him work with his hands. All right? That's not what we're after this morning, okay? Just so everybody's on the same page. This third command that Paul gives here demands a change from stealing to sharing. No one is completely free from the temptation to steal. Historians tell us that stealing was typical in the first century Asia Minor. Paul tells the church to break free from the societal norms. Further, stealing violates the Eighth Commandment. So it doesn't take long to figure out that's not a good thing. Stealing encompasses a whole array of activities, from the obvious, such as shoplifting, embezzling, uh, taking office supplies, to the subtle, which can be as... Subtle as just goofing off at work. Just not, not putting in the time that you need to at work. Paul has this, uh, possibly has in mind laborers and skilled tradesmen whose, whose work was seasonal. When they were out of work and without assistance, such workers would have been tempted to steal just to survive. Now, while this, this sin may have been a part of their lives before coming to Christ. However, whatever the activity, modern or ancient, Paul says to his readers, steal no more. That's, that's not proper. That's not what you should be doing. Instead, Paul directs us to work. Through the work of our own hands, we not only provide for ourselves, but contribute to the work of others. God created us for good works. And, and we need to remember that. In Ephesians chapter 2, we are created by God for good works. And that's a hugely important thing. By generously caring for those in need, we bring love to others and find joy in our calling. So Paul is stating here, instead we must be honest and, and work with our own hands so that we have something to share with anyone who might be in need. Now I want you to notice a few applications from this particular statement. Paul reminds the believers, Paul reminds the believers uh, of the need for honest work. Listen, we are created to work. Work is a gift from God. 
Jesus put in an honest day's work for years as a carpenter. Paul worked throughout his ministry so that he would never be a burden on the church. Work is highly valued in the Old Testament as well. But as, as we get started this morning, I just want us to be reminded of the, the need for believers, the, the need to do honest work. Also, Paul says this, that we should not only see the goodness of work, but we are also reminded for the need of it. He insists if anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. We see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. The writer of Proverbs says this, the one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. If you want food, work. Christians should help one another find honest work when a brother is in need. It's important that that, that is part of what we do as a, as a family to look for and to find opportunities for people to work. Lastly, the apostle tells us uh, that we should work to share with anyone who is in need. Paul tells the Romans, share with the saints in their need, Romans chapter 12. I like the way John Wesley put this. He says, work as hard as you can, make as much as you can, and then give as much as you can. It sounds a little bit like Dave Ramsey, right? Live like nobody else so that at one day you can live like nobody else so that you can impact the lives of others. Hmm. Hmm. Piper, John Piper tells us that there is really three options regarding work. He says this, he says, you can steal to get, you can work to get for yourself, or you can work in order to get, in order to give. And I like that. Paul is obviously commending the third option here. By the way, here's your, here's your Bible trivia moment of the morning. And... Uh, it's, it's this, who in the New Testament met Jesus and became a radical giver? I'm not going to give you any time because I, keep, I need to keep moving, but it's Zacchaeus, right? How many of you knew that? Wow. Wow. Okay, it's Zacchaeus, uh, the remarkable story of grace in his life. He was a taker throughout his life. And yet, once he met Jesus, he became a giver. And we find that in Luke chapter 19. And you can, you can take time later today to read that and get caught up on Zacchaeus, one of my favorite people, because he was a wee little man. All right, number four, let's look at this. Let's talk about replace corrupt talk with edifying talk. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, as fits the occasion, that it may deliver grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This fourth change here, 
in the Christian's life should be from speaking unwholesome words to speaking wholesome ones. The believer's speech. I think we could probably put a sermon together on just that topic. The believer's speech should be transformed along with everything else in our lives. Paul tells Christians to bid farewell to rotten, putrid, filthy talk. The bottom line is that the foul language should never proceed from the mouth of a believer. Because it is completely and totally out of character of someone who is a part of the newness of life. Off-color jokes, profanity, dirty stories, vulgarity, double entendre. Every other form of corrupt talk should never cross our lips. I hadn't been saved very long. I was at the University of Northern Iowa, and I decided to take summer school instead of actually going out and working like Paul has already just said. And so I am uh, at the University of Northern Iowa, and uh, I was taking Introduction to Meteorology, giving serious thought to being a weatherman, okay? And I am in the dorms, because I'm taking just enough hours to be able to be in the dorms, and being a teacher's college, the University of Northern Iowa had tons of teachers that were coming back and taking summer school and, and continuing education classes and all this kind of thing. And so one night we're sitting around in one of the rooms and, and uh, we're, you know, everybody's talking and, and, and laughing. And, and I told a story. I told a story. And uh, when, the, when the story was done, uh, everybody was just roaring. And uh, I thought, yeah, that was a good story. And I had a guy, he's laughing. He looked at me and he goes, man, I can't believe you're really a Christian. As soon as I could, I excused myself and I got out of that room and I went back and I knelt down next to my bed and I prayed and asked God to forgive me. To have somebody look at a person and say, after that story you just thought, I can't even believe you're a Christian. That's, that was hilarious. It's not the way that God would want us to act. All this type of language are, are sinful pictures of speech. Corrupt talk does not nourish us. Corrupt talk harms us. Anybody here? No, don't raise your hands. Whatever you do, do not raise your hands. Anybody here do a lot of negative self-talk? Driving to Tulsa, I was on a trip with a bunch of kids from college from you and I and we're driving along and we stopped and got fuel 
and it was my responsibility to get the fuel and drive the van. And so I got the fuel, I drove the van, and as I'm going around a curve, I get pulled over by the highway patrol. And uh, the guy came up, uh, very, very nice, and he said, can you step out and come back here? Well, I was, I was being followed by a bus load of kids. And so the guy that discipled me got out of, the, out of the bus, and he came up, and we were standing there talking to the police officer, and he said, well, here's the deal. He said, as you were going around that curve to get back on the interstate, he said, gas is just spurting out of the van. And he said, apparently, you forgot to put the, the gas cap back on. And uh, I said, okay, that's, yeah, that's great. And uh, so the, the police officer, he leaves, and uh, I'm standing there. Here's a guy that discipled me, and I'm just like, I am the dumbest human being that ever walked on the face of the earth. So stupid that I forgot to, you know, and I'm just going on and on and on and on about, you know, this gas cap. My friend just stood there. And finally, he looked at me and goes, you done? And I'm like, <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm done. And he goes, okay, well, here's the deal. He said, we can stand around and cuss about it, or you can drive to that Walmart right there and get you another gas cap. How often do we talk to ourselves like that? Oh, we wouldn't. We might not do it publicly. We might not, not say it out loud, but here's, here's the idea that the corrupt speech comes from a corrupt heart. It's a matter of the heart. If you have, I was going to say a speech problem, but if you have a problem with speech, you have a heart issue. Jesus said that we will give an account for the final day of every careless word that is spoken. And it doesn't just mean out loud. Matthew chapter 12. The tongue is exceedingly difficult to control. James says it is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members, which defiles the entire body. It sets a course on fire of our life. And it is set on fire by hell. Every species of beast and birds of reptiles, creatures of the sea, is tamed. But the tongue is not tamed by anyone. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil uh, full of deadly poison. Think about things that are said. Let your mind wander back a little bit to how it must have grieved Peter that he not only denied his Lord, but that he denied him three times. And most Bible scholars will tell you that, that when you get to the third time and it talks about him cursing, that's probably exactly what he was doing. Cursing and swearing. Not only does the Lord have sufficient power to control our lips and to guard them from every unwholesome word, the tongue, of course, it only speaks what the heart tells it to say. Matthew says it again in Matthew chapter 12, the mouth speaks out of what fills the heart. So the truth is 
that if you have a foul mouth, it's coming from a foul heart. The only way for the Lord to cleanse our tongue is to and through his word. It is by the washing of his word. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. It's about the renewing of the mind, renewing of the heart. Somebody shared this with me this, this week, and, and, and I was reminded of it again and thought about it, and, and it was part of, of my message that I had put together. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, and all that is excellent and praiseworthy, that's what we're supposed to think about. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. In the place of corrupt talk, Paul says that we need to have well-chosen talk. Speak constructive words that are helpful and build up others. Speaking encouraging words that give grace to the hearer. We are developed speech that is pure and helpful and, dare I say, pleasing to God. That's all part of that, that process that we talk about, pleasing God and, 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 and giving God glory and being Christ-like and diligently seeking God. That has to do with the way that we communicate with others as well. So I see here that Paul mentions three specific characteristics of wholesome speaking. Okay? And, and it begins with this. The, the words of a Christian are to be good for edification. Good for edification. Our speech should build others up by being helpful, constructive, encouraging, constructive and in instructive, and then uplifting. But that too is edifying that needs to be done in a right spirit. Proverbs 25.12 admonishes us, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to the listening ear. The preacher in Ecclesiastes says, sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. And such words spoken by a wise man are like well-driven nails. Do we build people up in our speech? Are we edifying them? Secondly, everything we say should be appropriate according to the need of the moment. It's not that every word we speak ought to be frightened or, or be together with great significance, but what we should say should always be fitting for whatever the situation is so that it constructively contributes to everyone. It, it's, it's more than just coming up with a, with a phrase. It's, it's to make sure that we communicate to people the appropriate need 
of the moment. Obviously, we should never unnecessarily mention things that might harm, discourage, disappoint someone else. Some things, though, they may be absolutely true and perfectly wholesome, are better left unsaid. My mother-in-law used to have a propensity for being able to talk to people and, and, and bless her heart, she was trying so hard and yet she would say things that you, you just would look at, I'd look at Lynn and be like, I'm, I'm not sure that was really nice. You understand what, what, what I'm communicating here. Things that may be absolutely true and perfectly wholesome, sometimes it's better just left unsaid. Everyone admires the wisdom and virtue of someone who speaks less often and they usually say something of benefit. You ever been around somebody like that? They don't say a whole lot, but when they do, you might want to listen. That's the kind of person that you want to be around. Proverbs 25.11 teaches like apples of gold in setting of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. Proverbs 15.23 affirms that a man has joy in an apt answer and how delightful is a timely word. In fact, Proverbs 24.26 says, he kisses the lips who gives a right answer. Easy. All right. But but just think about that for a minute. How often has somebody come and said something to you that it was just you had they had no idea what they were saying. But it was such a word of encouragement. What a what a tremendous tremendous blessing. Everything we say should be appropriate according to the need of the moment. And, and sometimes we don't even know how we can encourage somebody else. Number three, what we say should be gracious and that it might give grace to the hearer. Paul has already said the mature Christian not only speaks truth, but speaks the truth in love, verse 15. So raw truth is seldom appropriate and is often destructive. We have been saved in grace. We are kept in grace. Therefore, we ought to live and speak in grace. Just as grace supremely characterizes God, it should also characterize his children. Our speech should be covered in grace. That we would go out of our way to speak grace into somebody else's life. The Christian life involves the constant encouragement of others. Are you an encourager? 
Are you somebody that, that, that goes out of their way to speak grace into the lives of others? If your disposition is cynical and critical, there is no warmth, no encouragement in that. You will not be a good leader in your job, in your family, or in your church, whether it's a small or a large church. It doesn't make any difference. And as well, to go along with that, Paul adds in here, and do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. This warning is tied to verse 29. All of the sins mentioned in this section grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can be lied to, offended, dishonored, disobeyed. Anything inconsistent with the Spirit's nature grieves Him. Sins of the tongue lead to the withdrawal of the influence of the Holy Spirit, not... Not the withdrawal of the Holy Spirit, but it leads to the loss of influence of the Holy Spirit. We don't lose the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is basic Bible, right? The moment you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that is a permanent indwelling. Okay? Now, we understand that, all right? So you can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you can quench the Holy Spirit, but he's in there. He's in there. So are you going to give him control? Are you going to allow him to have first place in your lives? Christians must be sensitive to the one who has sealed us for the day of redemption. Let me ask you this question. Will what I'm about to say or do please the Spirit or grieve the Spirit? Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You, you, you have done moved from preaching to meddling. Because this, this is what we're talking about here. And when we talk about the words that we use to communicate to others, does the words that we use, does that allow the Spirit to be pleased or allow the Spirit to be grieved? Verse 30 reminds us that there is much more going on here than meets the eye in the relationship of the local church. It has to do with all of our language. It involves spiritual warfare. Relationships involve spiritual warfare. So then let us learn to walk by the Spirit and yield to Him in our conversations and our attitudes, eagerly maintaining the unity of the Spirit. That's what we're after. That's what God has, has called us to do. Let our conversations be glorifying to God, glorifying to the Holy Spirit. One of the ways we must learn to do this is by practicing what's in the next two verses. Number five, replace bitterness and rage with kindness and forgiveness. 
Look at verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The final charge here that, that, that Paul is, is bringing is from natural vices to supernatural virtue. And it amounts to a summary of all the other changes that we've talked about. Man's natural tendency is to sin. That's our natural bent, is to sin. And the natural tendency of sin is to go greater and greater into sin. A Christian sin will not, it will grow like that of an unbeliever. If not checked, our inner sin, bitterness, wrath, anger, will inevitably lead to outward sins of clamor, slander, and other manifestations of malice. Paul says that we must put off resentful attitudes. That's bitterness. Festering anger. Remember when we, last week when we talked about the slow burn? Okay, you're, you're not going to blow up you're just going to start that slow burn and it just gets more angry and more angry as it goes along. Indignant outbursts. Outbursts. It, that's wrath. Public shouting, abusive language, slander. Hostility, that's malice. And in their place that we would be putting on kindness and forgiveness and wear these virtues like you wear clothes every day. So again, we're going back to verse 22. Here's the stuff that we're to put off. Here's what we're supposed to be putting on. How does that change take place? It must be taking place because of the word of God's impact in, on our thinking. These particular sins involved a conflict between person and, and, and person, and person uh, believer and unbeliever, and we're still between a, uh, a believer and a believer. These sins break fellowship. They destroy relationships. They weaken the church as a whole. They mar the testimony before the world for Jesus Christ. When an unbeliever sees a Christian acting just like the rest of society, the church is blemished. And it's confirmed still further in a resisting of the claims of the gospel. In place of those vices, we are rather to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has also forgiven, Christ in God has forgiven us. That's incredibly important. These are graces that have shown to us, and they are gracious virtues, and we are to show them to others. God did not love us 
choose us and redeem us because we are deserving, but purely because he is gracious. And we need to understand that. God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Romans chapter 5 verses 8 and 10. If God is so gracious to us, how much more then should we be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving fellow sinners, especially to one another? In Ephesians, Paul gives us what might be one of the most powerful verses on forgiveness where he says here, God also forgave you in Christ. Here's the deal. God is kind and God is forgiving and we should imitate him. We see this throughout the scriptures. The implication is obvious. If Jesus can forgive us, then there's nothing for which we should not forgive another person. If Jesus can forgive us, then there's no reason that we should ever hold anything against another person. And I know in my own heart and in all of your hearts as well that you know people that you are incredibly angry with. And you may have even said these words, I will never forgive them. Is your sin that God forgave through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, bigger than any sin anybody could ever hold against you. We must be forgiving people. Jesus taught us to dwell on how he forgave our incredible, infinite debt. And then to be quick to forgive others who sin against us. Not to forgive is to not rightly understand or appreciate Jesus' forgiveness. Think on his kindness, his love, his forgiveness daily. It will change you. As we concentrate on the kindness of God, on his love of Christ, on his forgiveness. It ought to change us. It will make you to be more like him. Okay, that's a wrap. The big idea this morning was that Christians should not only live differently from the world, but they should live differently for different reasons. The title of the message is the last two weeks have been put on the new identity. So what do you wear? First of all, you have to ask and make sure that you've come to know Christ as your personal Savior. That's, that's simply must be addressed first. And then the question is, are you dressed in his righteousness? If so, we are to live out 
your new identity as a creation in Christ for the good of others and the glory of God. We are called from this passage to see the goodness, goodness that we can communicate to others. And we do that for the glory of God. To God be the glory. Amen? Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity to have opened your word. Father, as we put a wrap on this message this morning, we recognize that there is a lot of work to be done in our lives. One of those five sections, if not all of those five sections, ought to have impacted our lives. And Father, this morning, we just simply pray and ask that we would begin to see the need to take just just one of those areas and begin to focus on them. Whether or not it's about telling the truth or it's about not being angry, how we communicate that we don't steal and that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And that, Father, we would let all of these things in the last couple of verses be passed away from us and to bring in the good stuff. God, help us. Help us to make that change in our lives. Father, do a work in us. Change us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.